241 Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in a grout fit. If you are watching live Jesus. with us on YouTube, he's got the gray top, gray bottoms. I think you even have a you said gray. You weren't going to bring it up. I have to bring it up. You got a gray undershirt. You have gray socks on, Mike. This is a very interesting undershirt. play by you. If you are not listening or watching on YouTube, I definitely. This am, is the I gave up. Uh, Today. Today's already in the Today's cash. I'm done. I have quit. But yeah, we got Mike Renner in the ground fit, but we were going to be talking about some great stuff today. We You came up with our all-prospect team yes. here at PFF. We started grading college football players here at PFF, every player of every game in the FBS in 2014. And with that data has really propelled our, our draft evaluation process. So you put together in those six years of grading the college football players and also getting better from an evaluation standpoint, the best prospects we've ever had at each position. Yes. Can I give some backstory on this? I'm going to, even if you say I can't. I'm okay. going to give some backstory on how this all started. So I remember I was on a call. It was like, so this was right, I believe, when uh, Chris bought the company. Chris mm-hmm. bought the company in like end of 2014. Chris Collinsworth, that is. He bought the company, like, or majority share of the company in like 2014. And I remember we had a call on like the eve of the start of the college football season that said, we're going to start grading college football games. Uh, and we're like, we're going to grade every single game this year. And I'm like, what the I'm like, what's, like, I have all these questions. How? What are we going to do? Yeah, how? What are we going to do? Uh, is this going to be available to the public? And they're like, we don't know. We're just going to start grading these games. We finished grading these games in maybe like mid-April of that year. Oh, wow. The draft is uh, starting April 27th. We like, everything wraps up like two weeks before the draft. And like, we don't, we haven't produced any draft content whatsoever. That was back in, when like people, we'd go like weeks without putting stuff out on the site because we were just like people had to work too much and people had to grade all these games. We were just vastly understaffed to do it. That's insane. So finish up 2015, two weeks before the 2015 draft, we put out a mock draft, first ever mock draft that we ever did, the day of the draft. Literally <laughs> that day, what? we put out a round one this mock is pre, draft. This is pre my time at PFF. Yes. I was still in school, yes. you know, drinking beers at San Diego State. Here exactly. We go. So 2015, uh, and we put it together in. We had like six guys in a studio in Chicago at 120 Sports, which is now Stadium, I believe. They like rebranded. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it was called 120 Sports. And we put together this mock draft. And uh, our evaluations that year were pretty rough. We had Jalen Strong going in the first round. Oh, my gosh. I remember. Um, obviously, we were high, higher on Devontae Parker and Kevin White. So there was a call. There was a good call for us. We had Devin Smith going in the first round. Trey Flowers going in the first round. That's that really good, draft. though. That's so we great. had some Trey Flowers, Grady Jarrett were like two that we sort of hit on uh but then we also had some of these calls towards the end of this got pretty rough jordan phillips in the first round and troy hill quarterback out of also league. i think deon jones was first round. no not Deion the jones first round. was not that was the next year oh I next believe. year sorry so yeah so the next year the, though that was the first year we put out a draft board in 2016 and he was 250th on our draft board out of 250. So. And a large, I've talked to Steve Palazzolo a lot about the Deion Jones valuation and how he graded. A lot of it was because he did not grade well against the mm-hmm. run. And I think it was still at a point where you did not... We, didn't, the grades even yeah. and the evaluation did not look at how important it was or how capable he was of playing in coverage and the mm-hmm. athleticism he had. I mean, the guy weighed in at, I think, what, six foot one, 219 pounds or 221 around there. Like, this was before people were even thinking like that was how you could play linebacker in yeah. the NFL. I mean, to see how far our sort of evaluation, how we view the game has come in the past few years our first draft board 
in 2016 had Ezekiel Elliott number seven. Oh my gosh! I just kind of threw up in my mouth a little. You know, bit. that's we, insane. Like we would yeah. never. I mean, a big part of that, I guess, to... you got to tip your cap to you know George and Eric, George Chahuri and Eric Eager, the two data scientists we brought mm-hmm. on in recent years that have really done a great job of. Hey, we had this guy, a bunch of guys in their mom's basements collecting this data. We think it's valuable, but can you guys do some maths to figure if yeah. what's valuable, what's predictive, what matters, what doesn't? And they've done such a good job with actually putting value behind the data we do have. It's funny. I actually did grade it in my parents' basement at one point. Really? For about six months. Are you still staying there, or did you just get out? No, I just moved out. It's uh, The grout fit tells me otherwise. <laughs> okay, you got the all gray. I think your mom dressed you this morning. She definitely Let's did. get into the team, though. So if you want to okay. check out the full all-prospect team, go ahead and go to pff.com. Check out Mike Rainer's latest. It's definitely a fantastic. Did say my last name? That was Rainer's. Rainer's? Sorry. Renner. Renner's. Mike Rainer's latest. Let's start with the quarterback position. Go ahead and take us off. Yes. So it is... Drum roll. Joe Burrow, LSU, is our top prospect. So we don't actually know how he's done in the NFL as of yet. But it was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had three years of elite grades in our grading system at Oklahoma. But he, at no point during that, playing some rough Big 12 competition, matched what Joe Burrow did Mm -hmm. this past season at LSU. And I think at the quarterback position, it's one of those where if you're either capable of that high end or you're not. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't think the fact that he sucked, Joe Burrow, or not sucked, but he was not near what we saw this year in 2018, that doesn't necessarily impact my evaluation. He had a full season worth of work against multiple, multiple top, top defenses. Defenses, yeah. So, his, so I tweeted out earlier today, and this was actually from the article as well, his stats versus the top. So he faced four top 10 defenses via you know, in the PFF grading system. In those games, he completed 72.6% of his passes, averaged 381.5 yards per game, and threw 13 touchdowns compared to one interception against four elite defenses. Legit defenses with NFL prospects. I mean, yeah. my favorite stat with the Joe Burrow, and, and now that you are kind of comparing him to Baker Mayfield, because if Joe Burrow didn't have the season he had, Baker Mayfield would be the best evaluation we've given a quarterback yeah. at the college level. But the difference, man, in their accuracy percentage, we started ball charting, what, in 2018 and 2017 at the college level? Yeah. Like tracking where the ball was thrown? 16. Yeah, uh, 2016. Yeah. And then with Baker Mayfield, he was the best we've ever seen on 10-plus yard throws, ten, uh, throws of 10-plus mm-hmm. air yards. Joe Burrow comes in and beats that figure by what five yeah, percent insane like joe burrow's accuracy on these nfl throws into tight windows down mm-hmm. the football field is just incredible compared to the best we've ever seen in the previous yeah. years in baker mayfield in retrospect though the actual probably top prospect i mean he just won super bowl patrick mahomes yeah should have been the top prospect at the quarterback position if we you know, how did we, we evaluate patrick mahomes again i think mahomes that might be before came my in time 29th on our board back in 2017 so obviously not great by us, not not. A, but we weren't you know super low on him. But we would not have been, we would not have been drafting him. So there there you have it. We would have drafted uh, who was it in that class? We had Mitchell Trubisky higher than him, which was a tough oh tough my look goodness. at this point. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And, and we of, of anyone have been the first to say Mitchell Trubisky doesn't have it. Yes, but, but no, we were still lower on Trubisky. He was thirteenth on our board. Okay, we were, well that that was the year where we're kind of just like we we don't really like like this quarterback class. Gotcha. All right, let's go to the running back position. I know the the best prospect and the all prospect team that PFF has evaluated is Dalvin Cook of Florida State. Steve Palazzolo loves himself some Dalvin Cook. Oh, he brings yeah. him up all the time. I think Dalvin Cook though. Again, in this running back situation, I know a lot of them are replaceable. Their talents are replaceable. But Dalvin Cook, I think, has been one of the better running backs when healthy in the NFL. Yeah, and he ran behind a trash offensive line at Florida State and put up so four point two. So did Cam Akers. Yeah, four point two of his six point one yards his last season at yards per attempt. His last season at Florida State came after contact. He was he was pretty freaky in terms of what he did there. Explosive. His testing numbers at the combine were one of the weirdest things. He looked like he was like four three four four type speed on tape. 
so he was our highest rated uh, you know, prospect over the last six years, Quan Barkley, right behind him. Also, we were very high on Christian McCaffrey that year, 16th, who was probably, in retrospect, has been the best running back in his time in the NFL. 100%. Now, where do you stand? With Christian McCaffrey being the best running back prospect and best running back in the NFL over the past six-plus years, do you see them extending him and giving oh, him all this money? That's I don't a tough even want to talk about it. It's a dude. tough conversation, right? I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know where I stand with it because Christian McCaffrey has been fantastic, probably the best you'd want from a running back given what he can do yeah. in a receiving aspect. But still, this asking price for the position is just still probably too much. Exactly. There uh, has to be been. something significant that happens that brings the value of running backs down. This realization by both players, because it has to come mm-hmm. from players and agents too, and the NFL and the NFL decision makers that are like, hey, we've gotten out of hand. Yes. This running back position is not this valuable. <laughs> it's like if somehow like long snappers accidentally started to skyrocket, and then like they found out down the road, like whoa, we can find long yeah. snappers, you know, undrafted <laughs> from you know Alcorn State or whatever. Like this is not a big thing. But again, it's an interesting conversation. And so it's the I feel like the conversation should be: Is he better? as a receiver than someone like Adam Humphreys or Cole Beasley. Yeah. Got like $9 million a year last year. Is he better as a receiver than them? I mean, he's, he's probably like pretty But they close don't to use him par. like that, though. That's yeah, the thing. Like he's probably fairly close to on par, but is that going to get you into $15 million just because, like, that added running? A bit? I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, like, I agree. The and I agree with you. you pay for. Here's so. the thing that's probably more likely to change, and I know we're going a little off topic here, but I think what's more likely to change for running backs to get to that figure, to the figure they want to be, like that $12 million plus type of figure, I think their usage has to change. Like You have to start to use them in the slot. You have to use them more out yeah. wide. So Quan Barkley being one of the first guys you probably want to do that with. <laughs> he plays outside. He plays in the slot. He's going to add so much value to your team, more value than he would coming out of the backfield. We know the value of slot targets continues to rise at the receiver position. Again, I think that's more likely than running backs in agents saying yeah you're right we don't need that much money or nfl teams being able to bargain that route yeah it just this is gonna be an interesting offseason because yep. the derrick henry is like Dude. the litmus test yeah like, can you can you objectively look at second you know second contracts for running backs and how they've fared how mm-hmm. pretty much every single guy over the last half decade who's gotten a second contract a big one how much value they've added to the and the value and, and we always bring up the value conversation. Le'Veon Bell, you know, we always bring up the value conversation with running backs because of you know how it's more dependent on other factors, box count, offensive line, whatever. Yeah. But we we don't bring up enough that it has a factor in this too is injuries. It's the most injury prone position in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. to put significant draft cap or not draft capital, well that too, cap, but cap, also cap cap, cap space cap. and that cap capital <laughs> into the running back position, knowing the value of them when fully healthy. When you have a fully healthy running back yeah. and then knowing that they're prone to injury more than any other position. I mean, come on. Yeah. You're getting so, to a point where it just doesn't make sense. Just one more stat about this, and then we've got to move on. We've got to move on. But Philip Lindsay, average more yards per carry over his career than Saquon Barkley. Same year, one's mm-hmm. UDFA, one was second overall pick. Average more yards per carry over the course of his career, one fewer touchdown in his career, uh, almost uh, almost the same amount of yards. Lindsay actually had more this past yeah. year in terms of rushing yards. So what are we doing here? And I wouldn't even what extend what, Lindsay. I mean, we there, there's not a running back in the NFL that I feel comfortable paying over $12, $13 million. Yeah. Anyway, moving forward, let's get back to the all-prospect team here. Wide receiver, the two best wide receiver prospects that we've graded, we've evaluated. CeeDee Lamb's up there. Yep. The Oklahoma kid who's coming out this year. And then Amari Cooper of Alabama. Oh, man. That Amari Cooper tape, 2014, with Lane Kiffin and the usage he had there, that was that was some, a spectacular prospect. I would say, I feel like people forget that Amari Cooper went – 124 catches for 1,727 yards. Dude, Lane Kiffin knew what he had in Amari Cooper. I'll tell you that right now. I I feel like people forget that he was just out of this world back then. Yes, he had some drops that year, but, like, he was putting up ridiculous stats at a 93.3 grade. Like, he is 
uh, him and CD are like one, neck and neck for top outside wide receiver prospect that we've ever seen. I put Jerry Judy in the slot on this team because he is the best slot receiver we've seen in our grading. So th- two guys from this draft class make this receiver list. The honorable mentions here, we had Corey Davis, Western Michigan. Another guy, Steve Love. Steve Love, Corey Davis coming Steve out of Love, Western Corey Michigan. Corey Davis, Devontae Parker out of Louisville. I think Sam loved him. And then Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma. Some guys from back in the day who... Some honorable mentions for outside receiver and slot receiver. Yes, Sterling Shepard and slot. I haven't quite... Devontae out. Parker, though, turned it on, turned on late yeah. in the last season. I don't know if it's like a, if that's going to be continued, but I was really impressed with what he did late in the year last year. Yeah. I mean, if we were actually to go back and say who were the... Like, Amari Cooper has been, one of, has been the best or one of the best over the past years. And then Michael Thomas. Yeah. Like, the the fact that we were uh, that Michael Thomas slipped to the second round was wild. Uh, even us like were too low on him. At I think we had him twenty fourth overall on our board back in the day, uh, and that was still way too low. Uh, yeah, it was twenty fourth. Well, is part of that the the evaluation of Ohio State receivers and the system that they do run, and that it's yeah, limited even, from... ba- even back. So back then, that was when it was uh, gosh the JT Barrett mm-hmm. sort of era. And they weren't passing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as nearly as much passing as they were today. I think he had a really good grade that year, but only like 800 or something yards. Like you had, a, like they just weren't featuring wide receivers in that offense. All right, and you mentioned there's the slot receiver on the All Prospect team is Jerry Judy of Alabama coming out this year. Wide receiver one B right now on PFF's uh, latest 2020 NFL draft board, and then the honorable mention Sterling Shepard. He is not necessarily. I don't think he's going to be on the same level as Jerry Judy in the NFL, but that's yeah. where we did evaluate him in the similar tier uh, up there. Let's go to tight end though. Best evaluation of tight end in the PFF college era dating back to 2014. OJ Howard was probably our top prospect. Uh, he had the athleticism and. What we loved about O.J. Howard that really hasn't necessarily translated was he was a he had very good block, run blocking grades. Like he was a legitimately great run blocker at Alabama. Really hasn't I don't know hasn't translated necessarily to the NFL that well. Like he's not been anything super special as a run blocker in the NFL, but had 80 grades over 80 in run blocking his final two seasons at Alabama, which was pretty nuts. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson probably the honorable mention there. Uh, we liked him a lot coming out. Not super dynamic, but he was just a very another guy who was very complete tight end. But like George Kittle was supposed should have been the dude. Yeah, for, he just they did not throw the ball to him in that Iowa offense. It was like absurd to watch. Like he had he had great run blocking grades and actually good receiving grade just because of you know opportunity. He just wasn't on the field for a lot of receiving plays. And when he did, he made the most of it. But yeah, we were still probably still too low. He was seventy eighth on our board, mm-hmm. which he went in the fifth round. So we we're technically higher, but still like he was the number one player on our one one this year. Um, are we two? Are, are complete tight ends in today's NFL kind of overrated? I don't know. Like, I, I think I hear this word, you know, complete yeah. tight end, and it's like, okay, I would rather have a guy that's seventy thirty receiving that's than a, anything. Any, any incremental like addition to your receiving ability, mm-hmm. like how much how much incremental addition do you need in run blocking ability to make up for that? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's a tough, tough conversation. It's very it, tough. It depends on what you run. George Kittle, I think, is a complete tight end. He's yeah. great as a run blocker and great as a receiving. And I think he's a great uh, an example of a tight end that's complete that does a fantastic job. But I think, I, I mean, if you have a tight end that can do what Travis Kelsey does, say Travis Kelsey blocked with his arms behind his back, I take him high. Because yeah. Travis Kelsey is a difference maker sure. in the receiving game, and that adds more value than in the run blocking game. Yeah, and I think we've kind of come around on that in terms of, you know, Hunter Bryant's our number yeah. one tight end. There you go. That dude's 6'2", 240. <laughs> He's not blocking anybody at the next level. It's like, I mean, they're we te- seen him way the, in yet. The team that uses him as a tight end and runs 11 personnel is running 10. They're yeah. technically running 10. This yeah. guy's going to be playing Ooh, weight yeah. probably 235, maybe less. And I think with that being said, that's where the offenses are going though they're trying to get more athletes on the football field create more mismatches force defenses to go into dime to grab their fourth cornerback and toast them in the mismatch that's how it's going to go 
All right, let's go to the offensive tackle Speak. group. Offensive tackle group of this all prospect team. Highest evaluation for the two offensive tackles in the in the PFF college era are Laramie Tunsil of Ole Miss. That was pre-gas mask, I'm sure, and then also Jonah Williams of Alabama. Yeah, love Laramie Tunsil coming out. Uh, he cracked our top ten back in the day. He had a great grade. Uh, I think he had 91.1 overall grade his last year. It was injury shortened year, but he was a true junior. All the length, all the athleticism. He was, you know, like I said, pre-gas mask. He just seemed like it was he was going to be an elite left tackle in the yep. NFL. He had everything you wanted for that position. But then Jonah Williams, not necessarily everything you wanted. Doesn't have the athleticism, didn't have the arm length, whatever. But the production at Alabama, 78.9 pass blocking grade as a true freshman. And to go from right tackle to left tackle and then earn an 89.2 overall grade as a true junior. Really loved him coming out. I, like I said, I wasn't too worried about the arm length or stuff. Uh, so those are our top two prospects. Probably honorable mention, Andrew Thomas gets in that mix with his elite grading profile. And, and then Lyle Collins, another guy from our first year, we had him penciled in as the ninth overall pick in that mock draft. He, he was did. undrafted but, because of the off-field stuff. Yeah, went undrafted because of, of the, yeah, whatever that, oh, God, that completely, I always forget about that. But him and Gary Conley had those back-to-back, those mm-hmm. weird whatever. Gary Conley at least still got drafted. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he had a very good grade at LSU. Only allowed, like, five pressures this mm-hmm. last season at LSU. Now they ran a lot. It was four pressures, actually. 92.7 overall grade that year. So. Wow. And we talked about Jonah Williams on the Wednesday edition of 2 for 1 Drafts. Make sure to tune into that. But we predict him to have a bounce-back year after the injury. I mean, this guy, despite not having the tools, like you said, mm-hmm. the production was insane. I think between the years, he's one of the smartest guys in the NFL right now at that position. I, I think Jonah Williams really takes a step forward. Obviously, he's going to take a step forward compared to last year. But be a breakout candidate as a second-year player in the NFL. Who would you say the actual best prospects that we you know, had an opportunity to evaluate are in the NFL now? I think Ronnie Stanley has risen to the best tackle in that class. Uh, Larry Thompson has been great like in the NFL, but I just think Stanley's been uh, uh, just a little above him uh, in terms of production, was the highest-graded pass blocker in the NFL this past season. He was 16th on our board that year behind Jack Conklin and behind Laramie Tunsil in that draft. Uh, then Ryan Ramchick, the dude at the right tackle for the Saints, has been out of this world ever since like, his first year. And we were actually, we had him as the top tackle that season, but it was still 22nd on our draft board. Had him above Garrett Bowles, who we just, we didn't like at all. And mm-hmm. Older Bowles prospect. Ended, Bowles ended up getting drafted first, and well, the rest is history. <laughs> Garrett Bowles not in a good situation and Garrett now. Bowles at 61st on our board, so there's a, there's a nice hit for us. There you go. Alright, let's go to interior offensive line, specifically the guard position. The two best prospects we've evaluated since 2014 Quentin Nelson of Notre Dame I think that's panned out pretty well and then Isaiah Wynn of Georgia who's played some tackle for the New England Patriots when healthy yeah. um, and then honorable mentions here Cody Whitehair of Kansas State and Brandon Scherf of Iowa yeah Quentin Nelson I mean people are talking best guard prospect ever and like that's not crazy he's been an all pro uh, what both his years now yeah. in the NFL he's, he's been fantastic. very much lived up to the hype uh, his tape at Notre Dame was unlike anything We've ever seen, I think he earned uh, 90.9 pass blocking grade, 92.0 run blocking grade, the most big-time blocks we've ever seen in a season. Like, he's just pancaking guys. He had, like, well over one a game, big-time blocks, which is, like, out of this world. Uh, And then Wynn was just so good uh, for his three years. Started at guard uh, at Georgia, kicked out the left tackles last year, and was still great there, 91.3 grade left tackle. But it was 6'2 or 6'3. I thought he was always going to play guard in the NFL. Patriots giving him a chance to tackle, though. So uh, we'll see how he ends up turning out after, you know, injury shortened his rookie season. But, yeah. All righty. But an actual dimension, though, Quentin Nelson has been probably the best since 2014. But then right next to him is Shaq Mason, a uh, former Georgia Tech player. That uh, Where did did he land? So we liked him coming out Mm -hmm. uh, of that draft. Um, We had him as, uh, like, an interesting sort of, 
he graded out exceptionally well for us. And we're like, uh, this offense looks nothing like uh, any, you know, the run the triple option. He's just firing off. But you could see the athleticism. You could see the raw tools uh, way back then. Uh, had one of the highest run blocking grades we've ever given. Uh, and they, the Patriots, you know, he had 90.3 run blocking grade that last year, 91.4 overall grade. Patriots, Dante Skarniecki really did a you know, fantastic job developing him as in pass protection, but the athleticism is always there for him, fourth-round pick back in the day. Let's jump to center. Best prospect evaluation since 2014, Frank Ragnow of Arkansas. Honorable mention, Elton Jenkins of Mississippi State, who's had a pretty good yeah. start in the NFL, but then actual guy that's actually been the best in, in that class, Cody Whitehair. Who Cody Whitehair was our honorable mention for guard. We mm-hmm. thought he was going to be a guard in the NFL. I uh, thought that was going to be his best position. Uh, I think he actually, did he start off as guard and then kick to center after an injury in camp or something? I, I can't exactly remember the story, but yeah, he's been center ever since for the Bears. Been very good, pretty much a top 10 center every year of his career. But Ragnow started turning it on this past year, mm-hmm. and he might be overtaking him in time. But Ragnow, dude, his 2016 season, I think still the highest run blocking grade we've ever given to a center, 94.2 that year. Yeah, like he took guys off the line of scrimmage consistently. Loved his tape. Uh, still hate that the Bengals uh, couldn't get to him. Man, one pick yeah. away. Billy but Price yeah. instead, though, I think is. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. That's too soon. Yeah, too soon. But yeah, right now, and then Elkton Jenkins. Love Elkton Jenkins. He's been great for the Packers as well. All right, defense. Here we go. We're going to go nose tackle here. Quinton Williams of Alabama had the best prospect evaluation we've had in, in the past six years plus. And then also Easy with money. that, too, it's been he had the highest grade of interior, any interior yeah. defensive lineman we've ever seen in the college era. I mean, this was an easy evaluation for us. Hasn't panned out yet. Injuries in his first year, mm-hmm. slow start, but still a young player, can develop in the road. And then honorable mention, Vita Vea of Washington, that big monster, is also starting to pan out a little bit for Tampa Bay. I think he's looked good, better and better as each season kind of progresses for him. And, yeah. But the actual best player Kenny Clark Kenny Clark has been I I didn't see Kenny Clark coming at all now granted he was only 20 years old when he came out he was super young two two, so only a junior coming out uh had great grades his last two years or so I guess 82.1 as a sophomore in 2014 with a 90.7 run defense grade and then an 81.4 uh in 2015 what we should have should have realized was Kenny Clark had the highest percentage or highest rate of bull rush pressures of any defense tackle in college football Bull rush pressures at 20 years old. Uh, and he's a, a bit undersized. Yeah, I was going to say, being a 315-pound nose tackle, we should have been like, oh, you know, that might be a little special <laughs> for a guy to be that powerful, that young. And I think he's translated to the NFL, and, like, that's very much. And that's, like, that's why age matters. And, like, it's because when you're doing things at a very high level at a very young age, uh, it's different than doing them, like, when you're physically beating up guys who are your peers age-wise, it's different mm-hmm. than physically beating up guys who are two or three years younger than them. Like Vita Vea was like 23 coming out. Yeah, he's going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Clark being 20. He's also the size of a motorhome, which makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, let's go to three technique here. Maurice Hurst of Michigan. I remember we, we loved him coming out. I think number three on our big board, we ignored the heart condition stuff. Size concerns, no thank you. This guy was a top five player for us on our big board. And then, um, I, I, again, I still he doesn't get enough praise working in that Oakland Raiders defense that doesn't get, have a lot of outside help. But he's, he's been, been really good. good. In the he's NFL. been very good in the NFL. Yeah. I, I, he had like an 80-something overall grade this past year. Mm-hmm. Like he was actually good. And even as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know why he fell all the way to the fifth. If you're, if someone was going to draft him, uh, I'm surprised he went all the way down to the fifth. I guess the heart condition uh, is a thing of the past at this point. But, yeah, his last year at Michigan, 94.4 overall grade, 91.0 as pass rusher, 95.0 in run defense. His previous two years before that, 90.2 and 88.6. Was undersized, didn't test great athletically, but 
I think the Raiders aren't complaining at all. Like he's been very good in the NFL. Absolutely. The honorable mention here, Jonathan Allen of this Alabama. This one is the one where we did not hit on. He has been not not good. Or, he's just not an impact player in the NFL. Yeah. I can't believe that whatsoever. He was fantastic at Alabama. He was so good in multiple seasons at Alabama of you know pass rushing production, and it wasn't necessarily. The scheme didn't do him any favors there. They had to make a lot of run reads back then. It wasn't necessarily an attacking defense, but his last year, 90.6 pass rushing grade, 67 pressures, 13 sacks. His, his both is uh, in 2015 and in 2016. Like he was very, very productive, but somehow. I don't know what happened. Uh, just very average in the NFL. His grade has dropped every year of his career as well. Yeah. 78.2 overall grade across 159 snaps in 2017. Obviously injury plagued. And in 2018, 70.1 across over 700 mm-hmm. snaps this past season. 60.5 across over 700 snaps. He's not it, developing. Yeah. Okay, this, this guy's not taking strides forward, unfortunately. If you're looking for a biggest misses along the defensive line, him, Derek Barnett, exceptional grade profiles in college, playing in the SEC, has not has not turned out in the NFL either of them. The actual best three technique in the NFL just won the Super Bowl, and I think to quote him after the Super Bowl, how he was going to celebrate, he was going to get drunk, and I think he deserved that rightfully so. He's also going to get paid this offseason. He's a free agent upcoming. Chris Jones of the Kansas State Chiefs has been otherworldly since entering the NFL. Yeah, we loved him coming out too. Like he was our twelfth player on our board back in 2016, and I'm dropping the second round. Dude's mm-hmm. been lights out. Yeah. yeah, he's been very, very good. All right, let's go to Edge Defender. The best prospect in the, you know, since 2014, I think it's going to end up being Chase Young of Ohio State. This guy is just absurd. And then with him, Miles Garrett of Texas A&M. Two guys that graded really well, have all these tools. I, I mean, they, yeah. they check every box. These guys, that's the thing is they had the grading profile, but also just like athletic tools that are out of this world. Uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa get the honorable mention. Because nice. both were just like, since day one, they stepped on a football field in college. They'd were rushing the passer like they could have played in the NFL as freshmen. They, they were already so physically developed, so talented, uh, but not quite on the level of Garrett and Bosa, mm-hmm. or excuse me, Garrett and Young. But I, I do think, in retrospect, I, I don't know, it's tough to say. Like they've all these guys have panned out. Yeah, all you these know, guys all have, been really of them have been really and good, and we've seen that too. I mean, the actual I, best. I want to go back to the top of the podcast where we mentioned George and Eric and the work they've done with trying to find predictive power in the data. Pass rush grade and pass rush production, specifically at edge defender at the college level, we see time and time again have some of the highest correlations to similar success at the mm-hmm. NFL level. So I'm not surprised that guys that grade really well at this position as pass rushers do pan out, especially when they have the other you know check yeah. boxes of size and, and athleticism. Yeah, and, and it's not just grading out well. These guys are grading out like <laughs> Miles Garrett had a 90-plus pass rush grade as true freshman. Young broke our PFF record pass rushing grade. Like These guys were all... On another level. All right, the actual best, Miles Garrett and Witch Bosa. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, yeah, Nick Bosa had such a good. I'd probably say year. Nick because like Nick is like had the best rookie season we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for him to be better than both Joey right out the gate, that's going to be a back. competition worth watching because yeah. I could see Joey equal this next year come out and be a, a man on mm-hmm. fire. And now that the Nick Bosa hype maybe drent, you know goes down a little bit because he's not a rookie, those two are going to be competing for pass rush grades and pressures all year uh, for multiple years for uh, hopefully. All right, uh, linebacker position, an interesting one, tough to evaluate. Linebacker position, tough to evaluate, especially. Especially as the NFL is changing. You know, in the last five years, the value of run defending linebackers has dropped just significantly. So, looking at the top guys we have here in the actual pro- uh, or the top guys we've evaluated Ruben Foster of Alabama and Roquan Smith of Georgia. Ruben Foster's tape back in 16, 2016 for Alabama was 
the most fun tape to watch from a linebacker ever. He was just reading things before they happened, could cover ground the blink of an eye. And like he went to the 49ers and his rookie year was dominant. Oh, yeah. Like he was awesome. Uh, all his issues and the reason he did not, you know, get drafted top five, top ten, lasted until 31st overall, were off field. Yep. And, and injury. They've come back to fight him in the NFL. So that's, uh, those are why you worry about the off field. But then Roquan Smith was the other one. He's not been, I thought he would have had. Like, to me, he looked like he was just going to have, like, a similar career to Reuben Foster. Like, I thought he was just going to be, you know, Reuben Foster, but the next year. They were so similar players size-wise, athletically, grading-wise. Hasn't quite happened. His last year at Roquan Smith, his last year at Georgia, had 131 tackles and only missed six tackles that year. Like, he was just would fly around, was so, uh, you know, so sound as a football player, but it's not really been the impact sort of guy we've seen with the Bears. He's been good, but not that you know high impact sort of guy. Yeah, I mean, just one pass breakup this past year on 57 targets, a 54, 55.4 coverage grade, and he played a significant amount this past year, over yeah. 700 snaps. I mean, this guy needs to turn the corner if, he's, if it's going to yeah. come soon. It's, it's an interesting evaluation that's panning out here. Honorable mentions for, from an evaluation standpoint, Miles Jack of UCLA and Isaiah Simmons of Clemson, the guy who's in the 2020 NFL draft. Isaiah Simmons right up there. I mean, he's a legit, legit prospect, just like a different – like Roquan and Ruben were traditional linebackers. Simmons, I, I don't know where to really pigeonhole him. If you want to throw him on the strong safeties list, you probably make that list too. So yeah. Whatever I mean, you want him. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you want to put him, he's probably one of the best. You can make that one, yeah. The actual best are none of the names we've mentioned. You know, the actual best are Fuck. Darius Leonard. <laughs> Dar- Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts and Deion Jones of the Atlanta Falcons. Two guys that not necessarily we missed. Sig- I mean, Deion Jones we missed significantly on, but Darius Leonard I don't remember. No, we missed significantly on, on both. both. On both. These, both yeah. of these guys are just balling out. No. Uh, it was tough. Uh, it's, it's tough to evaluate linebackers. And, again, Darius Lane, we actually didn't have data on. So it was like one of those where we kind of punted and we're like, we don't, we don't know. Yeah. And he didn't even make our top two fit. Like he, didn't make, he didn't get it on our draft board. Yikes. Like, so, you hate to see that. Right? Like the two best linebackers. So uh, our linebacker takes have been pretty shit. Yeah. So, well, Reuben Foster, <laughs> if he didn't have the injuries in the outfield, I think he would be great. I yeah, think Isaiah is like easily. I feel really good about the Isaiah Simmons evaluation. Roquan Smith is not looking great. Miles Jack, I think, has been good. I mean, I don't think Miles Jack has been bad in the NFL. Steve and I did went back into self scout and linebacker and wide receiver were our two positions where just like whether it was being too high on guys, being too low on guys, we had our, probably the worst track record. And again, that's an opportunity to go back and look at the yes, grading, look at the, the evaluation board. process. How do we get better in this area? Find out which things we missed. Because we just need to be the best. I mean, it's just bottom line. It's nothing else is acceptable. You're wearing well, a route I mean, fit, yeah, but I mean, the like, standard is higher. What it reached... We reached the top and had to stop. Now it's like, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Can't, can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. All right, cornerbacks here. Let's talk about the best cornerback evaluations we've had. Jalen Ramsey of Florida State. I think that one was easy. And then Marshawn Lattimore of Ohio State. Again, yeah. two guys that just really dominated in the college grading and also like had these physical tools. Yeah, Ramsey was an easy one because he was a physical freak, played at elite grades at safety and at cornerback. And he just like that one was pretty obvious. Marshawn Lattimore was a little more risky. Only one year of playing, basically, mm-hmm. college football. Only something like, didn't even play really a full season that year, but his stats, out of this world. 18 catches on 40 targets, picked off four balls, 12 forced incompletions on those 40 targets, and a pass rating of 31.9 against. Like, he was just locked down his side better than anyone we've seen. Had all the athleticism, good size. We're just like, all right, those two. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, we feel great about. So, those are our top two. Akuda makes honorable mention. I, I think he's right up there. 
with those guys. And then Tredavious White, we loved as well, coming out of LSU. Tredavious White's tape was great. I mean, yeah. at LSU, was and, very, very and good. And he's probably been better than Lattimore in the NFL. Like, it's the probably, only thing, it's I mean, and it comes up with Tredavious White, and it really, where he really gets destroyed in the in the grading, not destroyed, but brought down a bit in the grading, is that he does get a little handsy. He gets called for some penalties. I, I will say, yeah, it's like one of those things where, so Tredavious White, probably statistically, grading-wise, been better than Marshall Lattimore in the NFL. Tredavious White also plays in the AFC East. Marshall yeah. Lattimore plays in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. One of those is more difficult to guard, you know, receivers in. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I don't I would agree with that. It's tough. Yeah. I would agree with that. Let's move to the slot quarterback position. Another one that I think the grading is getting better with at the college level, I, mm-hmm. but I think the evaluation still needs to come a little bit of ways, but I think we're getting there. With slot quarterback, the best evaluation we have with Mika Fitzpatrick of Loved Alabama. Him. He's playing free safety now and still having a ton of success. I thought he needed to play slot in the NFL to have success, but I like where he's at right now with Pittsburgh and how they're using him. Yeah, I, I thought he needed to not play outside. I didn't think he was Yeah, don't play outside corner. corner. Yeah, yeah. It's like everyone's like, oh, he's cornerback, cornerback. Slot is far more, the skill set is far more reminiscent of what it takes to play safety mm-hmm. in the NFL than it is to play outside cornerback in the NFL. It's just Especially with how much zone coverage you're playing. Yes. You're playing curl flat in front of you, trying to be yeah. instinctual, quick breaks, all that stuff. Yeah, he had a 92.8 coverage grade for his career, Mick Fitzpatrick. So wow. Every, and he started as a true freshman at Alabama. Like, you knew this dude was special. Honorable mention, we loved Byron Murphy last year. Thought he would be great I still slot. love Byron Murphy. Yeah, it wasn't like, a good rookie season, but I still love super Byron Murphy. Super young. Like I said, he's super young. He still has time. The actual best slot, probably, Desmond King. Oh, man. We should listen to grades on that one. Yeah, this dude I mean, like, graded very, yeah. very well at Iowa, playing at multiple positions at Iowa. And I mean, we kind really- of did. He was 64th on our board. Oh, like, that's good. We, and he, so we had him as like a late second rounder, you know, a mid-day two guy, and he ends up going fifth round, but has been... Lights out. Lights out. I mean, he's been spectacular. Yeah. I mean, those Iowa, those Iowa defensive backs say, are so you, well. You know coached. how to play zone if you go to Iowa and play corner. And that's that's valuable. I mean, you talk about going to Ohio State, know how to play man coverage. Go to Iowa, know, and you want if you think you're going to be this kind of slot safety type of hybrid, go learn how to play uh, zone coverage at an elite level. Look at Amani Hooker's tape at Iowa. This dude yep. is like a freak yep. from a mind standpoint because he just sees things before they happen and reacts things very it's well. Real. All right, let's go to free safety. Best prospect evaluation over the past six years. Malik Hooker of Ohio State, and then the honorable mention being Grant Delpit, guy coming out this year. Dude, Malik Hooker's tape slash grading his last year in college was absurd. Seven picks, uh, you know, some just absurd plays from the deep middle, 91.5 coverage grade, uh, ran the, like a 4.37 at the combine, like 215 pounds, like 210 pounds, like he was a big dude, could fly. There were like not a lot of question marks about him. But another guy, the playmaking has not quite been there. Mm-hmm. We've seen some, you know, great plays for him with the Colts, but it's not quite been there. Obviously, towards ACL as a rookie, but and was another guy with only one year really of college, uh, you know, performance under his belt, only one year as a starter. But dude, he was so damn good. Yeah, uh, uh, I thought he was going to be that same guy in the pros. Qu- hasn't quite lived up to it. Honorable mention, actually, Grant Delpit. Yeah, I think he's a very good free safety prospect. Um, Actual been the best though, Marcus Williams for Marcus the Williams New has been very good in the NFL. Exceptional for them. Uh, Outside of that missed tackle picks. that no one wants to bring, oh, you really shouldn't bring up. It was just a bad. It was a bad missed tackle. Mm-hmm. But I mean, outside of that, he has been very good. Yeah, he also handled that very well. I think there. I think on mm-hmm. social media, he handled that very well. The guys were after that dude. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you're that. That could have gone south. No, like, that could have ended. That could be a career ender with how traumatic that had to be. But yeah. Man. Well, good for him that he's been able to bounce back. 89.7 grade this past yep. year, so he bounced back bigly. Couldn't feel more comfortable about how we you know, evaluated these these strong safety kind of hybrid versatile players. There have just been two guys that were too obvious. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. The, is the reason why. And it's Derwin James is was easily the best strong safety prospect. He was honestly one of the best prospects if you went regardless of position. He'd probably be top 10, 10 on our board. 
and, and it's because he was a true freshman and led all safeties in the country in terms of overall grade. Like, he was dominating as a true freshman. It's absurd. He had the rep against the Florida offensive tackle that got, like, that got pushed everywhere during draft time as a true freshman when he, you know, the where he threw an offensive tackle, the most explosive, uh, you know, safety I've ever, I've seen, you know, in our six years of doing this. Like I said, two years, and freshman year, led the nation in grading. His junior year, led the nation in grading. His sophomore year, got hurt, only played 100 snaps. So both healthy seasons. He was the best mm-hmm. safety in the country. Far and away, falls to 17th. 87.8 grade as a rookie, 82.5 after an injury-plagued uh, year this past year. Like, he's been lights out in the NFL. So, like, that one got overthought by the NFL pretty vaguely. The honor mentioned Jamal Adams. Yeah. Jamal Adams has also been fantastic in the NFL. I mean, the, 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 it, it, I agree that the evaluation was easy. His LSU tape, similar to Davis White, was just very, very good tape to watch. Everything, like, everything you wanted him to do, he did. And he graded out very well. And it was just like, okay. He doesn't. He didn't have elite athleticism. He didn't have the Derwin James type of athleticism. But it's like he can do whatever you want him to do. That at the end of the day, that's all I want. And in the NFL, he's actually probably been so a tick better than Derwin James because James had the injury. But eighty nine point eight grade in two thousand eighteen, eighty eight point two this past year. He is uh, top three safety in the NFL right now. I mean, dude, so. fantastic. A good head on his shoulders too. They're a leader, both, they're all both that stuff. Yeah, the, the, the both NFL. of these guys are fantastic. They that's going to do it for our. All prospect team. That's going to do it for the Thursday edition of Two for One Drafts. A little short one for you guys. But if you want to check out the full article, read all of the analysis from Mike Renner, go ahead and go to PFF.com. Remember, you can see us live on YouTube most days during the week. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Again, that's going to do it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Two for One Drafts. 